If you like the podcast, remember to check us out on YouTube, where you get to see comedy commentary and a whole lot more. That's the YouTube channel, Balderdash Academy. Good afternoon, Dashers. It is my pleasure to announce the winner of this year's 2021 Pumpkin Jack Official Pumpkin Carving Contest. Now, we had a host of entries all submitted their jack-o'-lanterns online with the hashtag. By unanimous decision, we've picked one. Uh, It might be due to the fact that it was done with skill, with grace, or the fact that it's made out of a tortilla and it was right before lunchtime. At any rate, the winner for this year's contest is Patrick H. from Barrington, Rhode Island. Patrick will be receiving a special item from our store. In the meantime, could the faculty and staff please report to the auditorium for this month's visiting professor, Alan Adams. Uh, Balderdash Academy, competitive comedy. Good for your health, like a yearly colonoscopy. Bring a flask, don't forget your hall pass. If you need a laugh, let me introduce the school staff. Marie Stewart Harmon teaches home economics. See her after class for some home-brewed tonics. Sex with me is like Nate Green, because finishing on top is his normal routine. Coach Steve brings the show sports knowledge, but he's bad at portmanteaus because he didn't go to college. Paul McGill spits words like an Uzi. She wins every game but can't name a single movie. They Calling Brady Hunt, the theater guru. He'll always almost win like deja vu do. Carla Rose Dubois, you better watch your back. She's notoriously known for teaching music facts. And Bob Blanc gets no disrespect. Don't talk back, cause he's technically correct. Yes. Let's go. Ball the Dash Academy, baby. Alright, sit down. Class is starting. Happy November. We hope you have a, uh, a good Thanksgiving coming up. Welcome to the wildest comedy game show online, at least today, Balderdash Academy. So coming up, we have visiting professor Alan Adams and give me the details. The game where our professors start their fight to become the next reigning champion. Speaking of reigning champions, Nate... So you've managed to rend the title away from our grand champion, Molly McGill. What's your strategy tonight? Well, she stole the the grand champion title from me last year. Um, So I'm thinking I'm going to try and steal it this year and maybe a car key or two. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto always works. So. Speaking of winners and potential criminals, remember to check out our social media feeds to see our official Pumpkin Jack official pumpkin carving champion officially. Official. I like that title. It's nice and like succinct. We try to keep it concise. Alan wrote it, not <laughs> our visiting professor, our intern. So that sounds oh, no. official. Speaking of visiting professors, our visiting professor today is Alan Adams, editor and lead culture critic for the Main Edge, improviser, <laughs> actor, organizer of the Improv Main Festival, uh, Improv Me. Improv Main or Improv Me, Alan? What uh, do you want? Improv Me is what we usually do. Improv Me. I've <laughs> learned my lesson and asked this time. We will discuss all of that and more tonight. 
Alan has agreed to be the scorekeeper tonight while our faculty members compete for the coveted reigning champion banner. The faculty will perform a series of comedy challenges, and at the end of each challenge, Alan will assign the points to a competitor he feels is most worthy. He's not looking for the correct answer, but the best answer. The points are arbitrary and can be given to anyone in any time for any reason. At the end of the show, the faculty member with the highest point total will be named the reigning champion. Our first game today is called Give Me the Details. So I will reveal an interesting bit of trivia and each of our faculty will fill us in with a little-known bit of extra information about the story. Our visiting professor will give points for the answer that he likes best. So, New York is lovingly known as the Big Apple, right? It's a 1920 nickname uh, coined by uh, reporter John Fitzgerald after overhearing a pair of stable hands talk about a race upcoming while he was in New Orleans. Now, that wasn't the only name the city had. Prior to that, the city had other nicknames. Now, we know about New Amsterdam. At least those of us who know They Might Be Giants cover of the Four Lads classic, right? What was the other name that New York had? Now, I know she's chomping at the bit to answer. Molly, what was the other name that New York had? Um, the other name that New York had, so this was right around Halloween. I know that just passed us recently, but you know, the festivities began, um, or continue on. It was right around Halloween. People are like, well, what are we name of this place? What are we going to name this place? And of course it was there. New York actually came out of the first initial name, which was Boo Scort. Okay. Boo Scort. Boo Scort. Cause it, it's, it's scary. Cause you don't know if it's shorts or a skirt people. You don't know. <laughs> Boo! Scort. <laughs> Boo Scort. Yes, and then New York came out of that because it's, you know, rhymes. They just kind of went through that. No, that makes sense. Boo <laughs> Scort. Boo Scort. Boo Scort from Molly. Steve, what do you got? Okay, well, we now lovingly call it the Big Apple, and you've heard of apples to oranges, of course. You might think they previously called it the the Big Orange, but that's not the case at the time. They're actually trying to promote the uh, consumption of other citrus fruits, and they decided to call it the Oversized Tangerine. (laughs) (laughs) The Over... Uh, Insert inappropriate political joke here. (laughs) Nate, what do you have? (laughs) Man, it's hard to follow that. Uh, so, <laughs> New York, they had big plans for the city, and uh, they wanted it to be one of the biggest in the world. And the best way to do that is by going capitalist. I mean, America, am I right? Of course, uh, yeah. So, yeah, what they wanted to do is to get a sponsor. They went with, uh, uh, well, the sponsor said, we don't want our name exactly on it. So, they, they changed it to Pork Yeppermint Patties. Um, city, poor Kepperman, Patty City. Um, and uh, the sponsor was, of course, York Peppermint Patties. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought it Why was does pretty a creative. Pork Yeppermint sound like something you get in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was in a pie, maybe. (laughs) Marie, what do you have? Um, Well, as as we know how clever the 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 name New York is, unfortunately, the name that came before it was also not very unique. We've got we've got New England here. Uh, We've got lots of places here in Maine that are named after places in New York. Um, Before New York was New York, it was Britannia. It, but it wasn't great. It was just Britannia. So it was <laughs> wasn't great. not really cool Britannia. Correct. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. All right. So we have Molly with Boo Scort. Of course. Me with Oversized Tangerine. Nate with Port Yepperment Patty City. And Marie with Britannia. <laughs> what do you think the answer is? Do you know the answer? Let us know and check back after four questions to find out the answer to this game. So, Alan Adams is the editor and lead culture critic for The Main Edge, an art and entertainment weekly based in Bangor. He reviews films, books, plays, TV shows. He also writes about sports, local businesses, and whatever else is of interest. He's a Tomatometer-approved film critic and member of the National Book Critics Circle, as well as a featured critic on LitHub's bookmark site. He is the co-founder of the Focus Group, an improv troupe based in Bangor, of which we are a big fan, and the curator of the Improv Me Festival. Now, Alan can also be found regularly as a featured player at Penobscot Theatre Company the northeasternmost professional theater company in the United States. He's been a professional actor for almost 25 years now. Wow. Not bad. <laughs> so, Alan, welcome to Balderdash Academy. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being invited. Now, I need to know. How does one become a Tomatometer approved film critic? Uh, yeah, no, that's really funny, actually. Um, so uh, people are familiar with the uh, the website Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they have a, uh, a select list of critics from whom they pull the, ra- uh, the reviews that make up their ratings. Uh, and uh, this was probably a couple of years ago now. Uh, they did an expansion of their critics list uh, in an effort to include uh, uh, more uh, niche publications, smaller publications, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, And uh, yeah, and they, uh, they decided that I was, that I, that I made the grade. And so, uh, yeah, so I've, uh, I have participated in that little number that either fresh or rotten number uh, for, uh, (laughs) oh, probably anything you've seen over the last five years or so. Hmm. So are you to attribute Paddington Bear 2 for being the best movie ever? (laughs) Now, okay. So one of the things about Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it's it's a blessing and a curse because while uh, the the, the reviews themselves have a degree of nuance with regards to uh, their quality, um, the actual tomato meter is binary. It's either either yes or no. Mm -hmm. And so... um, even like so, everyone at least kind of liked Paddington too, but it's not necessarily. I know, and I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't necessarily. Uh, it's not necessarily as good a bridge of specific quality as far as like overall appeal. I guess is right. the way to put it. Okay, 
Right. And a bear in a raincoat's got major appeal, folks. Yes, for real. That's really why my wife married me. <laughs> I'm a hairy guy. <laughs> so, Alan, tell us about the main edge. Um, we're a uh, we're a small uh, arts and entertainment weekly. Um, we began publication uh, back in December of 2006. Uh, I came on board about a year after the paper was established. Um, I spent the first uh, eight or nine years there uh, in a staff writer position. Uh, where I uh, sort of, you know, you start off, you do whatever's assigned to you. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, as the years passed, I sort of uh, fell into my niche a little bit, uh, specifically the, 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 the criticism uh, side of things. Um, and then uh, it was, uh, I think, five years ago this past March, I ascended to the editor's chair. Uh, and nice. that's uh, and that's where I've been ever since. So, uh, cool. yeah, yeah. Congrats. It's, uh, uh, circulation, uh, our footprint is, uh, it's mostly Penobscot County. We venture into Hancock and Waldo counties a little bit. Uh, yeah. our weekly circulation, uh, comes in at right around 18,500. Nice. Awesome. Wow. Well, kudos to you being an editor. That's my past Heck life. Yeah. And whew, that is not some small feat. Thank you very much. Uh, too bad you're not covering those city council meetings. <laughs> is it? Is it too bad? <laughs> it feels pretty good, actually. <laughs> So now I think the question that everybody who's watching and listening has is uh, what was the other name that New York had? Well, the answers that we had given was Molly with uh, Buscourt, Randy with oversized, Randy, Steve with oversized tangerine, (laughs) Nate with Port Yeppermint Patty City or Marie with Britannia. Britannia. And so my an- my question to you, Alan, is how would you like to score? Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Um, I am going to say, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give Steve uh, three points for an answer that I'm afraid to look up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I roll. Or WebMD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give Nate uh, two points. Uh, for uh, inventing, I, I'm pretty sure you can get that uh, uh, on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, like somewhere in like Travis City, like uh, you know, like it's like in a pasty, like one of those little pork like, 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 pies. Yes, that's exactly how I imagined it too. It was uh, definitely in a pie. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, and one each for the other two because uh, uh, I'm not going to. I, I don't feel comfortable shutting any of those answers out because I thought they were all well-reasoned. <laughs> all right, all right. So, what is the real answer? Well, you're going to have to join us in our next segment right after four questions to find out what do you think it is. Let us know in the comments. And uh, check back in after this. Go Dashers! <laughs> do you like 80s television? Of course you do. Do you like helicopters? Of course you do. Do you like men serenading eagles by the waterfront while playing cello? Yes. Yes, you do. If you'd like to hear more about helicopters and cellos, please be sure and tune in to Champa and Klein the Airwolf Years every week on your favorite podcast service. Join hosts Greg and Dave as they discuss every single episode of the classic 1980s television series Airwolf. Be sure and subscribe today.
Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. We have visiting Professor Alan Adams. And remember, after four questions, we find out the answer to give me the details. Other than the Big Apple, what was New York City once called? Our points are... In the lead, we have Steve with three points, followed by Nate with two, Molly with one, and Marie with one. So, (laughs) joining us today is our visiting professor, Alan Adams, editor and lead culture critic for the Main Edge, improviser, actor, organizer of the Improv Me Festival. Before we move on to the next game, I will spin an opening icebreaker from a series of question Written by our intern, Alan. A different Alan. Specifically for our visiting professor from the Balderdash Randomizer, the spin will generate a random question that Alan will try to answer in 30 seconds or less. And tonight's 30 seconds or less question is... If you could have attended any of Shakespeare's plays live... What one would you pick? Man, that's a really good question. Um, Thank you, Alan. I mean, the the immediate, uh, the sort of uh, knee-jerk response would be like, I don't know, one of the one of the big ones, you know, uh, Hamlet, the Scottish play, Lear, Othello, um, you know, one of those Romeo and Juliet, like the, the big names. But I think. For me, just because uh, what little I've heard about it in, you know, theatrical history is so bonkers. I think I would go with something like Titus Andronicus. Oh, uh, yes! (laughs) uh, Just because it's so, it's just so absolutely nuts and just a bloodbath on stage. And the idea of being able to see that play out live, like, the watching the groundlings like lose their minds, like just yep. like you know, three rows <laughs> deep with a splash pies. zone. Like I mean, just you know, and like we're we're cutting off hands, and tongues, and just like like real yeah. like real like Tarantino stuff. You know yes. what I mean? So I feel like that would be. I feel like that would be the one I think that would give me the most visceral satisfaction uh, of the bunch. Uh, but if I'm going to be, I don't know, like fucking Hamlet or something. You know, I mean, it really makes you wonder, did Shakespeare have a foot fetish? So <laughs> Alan has a diverse career as a writer, improviser, producer, disc golfer. Oh, we got to go sometime. Lover of comic books, Shakespeare, Shepard, Stoppard, and Beckett. And so, in honor of our visiting professor, tonight's four questions will be based on Alan's diverse interests. Mm. <laughs> Whichever one right. of our faculty member gives the best, not the correct, but the best mm-hmm. answer, Alan will award points. Our first question in March of 2021, Marvel announced that it would be doing what with its Avengers films? What would it be doing with the Avengers? Steve, what do you got? Well, uh, they what they decided to do was uh, unfortunately remove Doctor Strange, everyone's favorite uh, member of the Avengers, and replace him with 
uh, Dr. Spaghetti, which is a kind of a, a new character they invented just for the films. He's not in the Marvel <laughs> comics, but they really uh, Kevin Feige wanted his own creation. And so he in- introduced Dr. Spaghetti and he has no powers. He's just like really gifted at consuming and creating spaghetti. So it was controversial, but true. <laughs> yeah, cheesy superhero. Nate, what do you have? Well, they um they announced this because they knew they had a hit on with the What If series, which was animated. So they're they fired all of their actors, and uh, from here on out, they're actually going claymation combined with silent movie style. Um, so not only is everything in claymation, but there's no sound, and the title cards when there has to be the writing uh, is also done in claymation. <laughs> all right. <laughs> silent claymation molly what do you have well i mean nate and i were really on the same path so give me a quick second here uh, so what they're gonna do is they are you know to keep everybody safe march 2021 was like everything like, so uh to keep everyone safe they are now going to um use puppets strictly puppets um, on a traveling puppet show, which they will then uh, broadcast throughout all of everything. Thanks, Nate. You took my answer. All right. So Molly <laughs> says, make them handsy. Marie, what do you have? Um, so in March 2021, the world or in March 2020, the world kind of went. Bleh! And so we were all trying to find ways of enjoying art and uh, Broadway went dark. Uh, and so Marvel was like, what if in this downtime we st- we take all of our movies and we turn them into musicals? And so they decided that in like two or three years, all of 42nd Street is going to be Avengers musicals for an entire month. And I would make sense. They are owned by Disney. So in March of 2021, Marvel announced that it would be doing what with its Avengers films Steve said, remove Dr. Strange and replace him with Dr. Spaghetti. Nate, silent claymation. Molly, puppets, said puppet words. show. And Marie, turn them into musicals. Alan, how would you like to score? Um, you know, it's funny because I thought, I thought Nate had it with, uh, with claymation. <laughs> like that was like, that was really, I was, I was, I was feeling that I was vibing with that. Uh, and then uh, and then Marie comes up with Avengers turn out the dark. And I'm like, that's what I got to go with. Right. Like, I got yeah, like, everyone's like, got like I love uh, I love uh, a good stage musical. And uh, when you introduce the opportunity to see superheroes possibly getting badly hurt on stage, oh, God. Uh, you know, like, I mean, I think that again. I think you have to do it. So I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go uh, three for Marie, two for Nate uh, and one for Molly and Steve. Thank, Thank you for the right. pity point. Marie, they've already made one Marvel movie into a musical. It's called Jekyll and Hyde. It's Hulk ah. movies. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. We're forgetting DC, about then. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. So, <laughs> no, Molly, it's not. I, didn't, I may have forgotten about that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing with the Avengers films? They will release all of them in iambic pentameter as William Shakespeare's Avengers, the complete works. The link, by the way, is in the description. (laughs) How have we not heard about this? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm shocked and intrigued. So excited. (laughs) Our next question 
Samuel Beckett, famous for writing Waiting for Godot, helped James Joyce write Finnegan's Wake. He was a renowned cricketer and, according to interestingliterature.com, had what connection to a star of the Princess Bride? How was Samuel Beckett connected to the Princess Bride? Nate, what do you have? Oh, it's inconceivable. Uh, so what? Uh, he's actually Carrie Elwes. Elwes. Carrie Elwes. Yeah, he is Carrie's uh, grandson, um, and uh, his his grandson actually invented time travel. Came back and got his dad, and then went back and makes yeah, sense. Went back, yeah. and actually he. Uh, Waiting for Godot, he wrote that um, af- named after Gal Godot, uh, letting you know. So there you go. That makes sense. Marie, what do you have? Um, Samuel Beckett was a playwright. We all know. Uh, he, he wrote some very interesting things. He also had a drinking habit, as many playwrights do, uh, and um, was a professional at drinking beer fast and how fast can you do it who can be faster than andre the giant he was a a regular competitor of how many beers can you drink as fast as you can and samuel beckett and him were like uh, up against each other all the time in these beer chugging competitions all right so against andre the giant molly what do you have Oh, uh, um, <clears throat> not people. A lot of people know this, but um, Robin Wright was a huge cockfighter enthusiast, mm-hmm. and so it's she was in uh, um, uh, Peru and uh, traveling around South America and just you know showing her prize cock off. And um, <laughs> along came Beckett. He also had a had a penchant for uh, betting betting on the betting on the rooster, and uh, so they bonded over uh, cockfighting. They then uh, breeded their two male cocks together, which is you know unheard of these days. But uh, it, it made a super cock, and uh, they've been um, we're besties since then. <laughs> All right, so we have Molly, where Samuel Beckett and Robin Wright had a cock slapping contest. And Steve, what do you have? Well, um, so Samuel Beckett was, of course, alive during the filming of The Princess Bride. I'm not sure if we established that yet or not. Um, he was a big fan of William uh, William Goldman, I believe is his name, the writer of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and of course, uh, Princess Bride. And so he showed up on set one day, because he's also a writer, and he thought Samuel, uh, sorry, William Goldman <laughs> was also a cricketer. But turns out William Goldman just liked collecting crickets. Uh, so there's kind of this misunderstanding, but they bonded uh, these two friends that shouldn't have become friends, but they did over the love of different types of crickets. All right. So they collected crickets. So we have Nate with Carrie Elway's grandson because time travel Marie with professional chugger against Andre the giant mm-hmm. Molly Robin Wright and her supercock, and Steve <laughs> William Goldman collecting crickets. Alan, how would you like to score? Uh, well, it's funny because I actually know the answer to this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we uh, don't know. Scott. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I know the. I know. I know this. I know this timeline's answer to this. Oh, okay, right, right. Uh, but uh, I'm going to. It's tough because uh, Marie got close. 
But the idea of Robin Wright throwing down at a cockfight is hysterical. Buttercup's got a cock. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and then she married one. Buttercock. Uh, Buttercock. Uh, everyone's everyone's favorite uh, lunatic, Sean Penn. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm going to go ahead and give, uh, you know, I'm going to give Molly the three points. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, uh, sir. Right. I'm going to give Marie two points. Thank you. For getting in the neighborhood. And Steve and Nate, one apiece. All right. So as Alan alluded, Marie was technically correct. Ooh, Samuel Beckett built a farm north of Paris with the help of a local farmer. This local farmer's name was Boris Rusimov. Boris had a son, Andre, that Samuel Beckett used to drive to school. Aww. Were they drinking? So there rides? you go. Chugging yes. <laughs> Chugging beer. Yeah. That came later. Okay. That's how you um, learn there. Which, uh, for a little bit of bonus footage, we have a link in the description to Carrie Elway's describing Andre the Giant's toxic gas. Oh, I was hoping Ooh. someone would say something about the farts. <laughs> So yeah, I really farts. wanted to talk about the farts, but I decided not to. Speaking of letting it go in the wind, the great game of disc golf has been in the news a lot recently, especially for James Conrad's amazing holy shot. Tied the world championships on the 18th hole with a sudden death playoff. In 2016, <laughs> David Wiggins Jr. made the news by doing what? Marie, what do you have? Um... Uh, he, David Wiggins Jr. is Jr. because he's very, very close with his father. So he insisted that his elderly father, who was was very decrepit, could not move anymore. Uh, he had him on his back the entire time. He had his, like, 85-year-old dad on his back while he was throwing the discs, and it was very impressive. All right, dad on the back. Because he's a junior. That was the senior on the back makes sense all right so molly what do you have <laughs> oh uh well guys it's uh, quite simple he literally made the news as alan knows he literally started his own zine um, <laughs> which then grew into the county's most revered publication junior's news junior's <laughs> news yes. steve what do you have um, so, uh, David Wiggins Jr., obviously a man of class and of wealth, uh, he was one day up in his helicopter having his daily helicopter picnic, and he <laughs> went to dispose of his, uh, his plate out the door. The plate sailed about 7,000 feet and went straight into a disc golf basket, and he's known for having the world's longest drive. Uh, ace, really. Mm-hmm. From a helicopter, mean- of course. The world's no, longest drive and ace. Nate, what do you have? Uh, actually, kind of along steve's line except true uh so he was um he he did get a ace a hole in one whatever you call it uh but he got lucky it uh he threw it he overthrew it it hit a bird right above the the (laughs) net the catcher's mitt whatever it's called without the catcher and it fell down into it and he said mint uh, from then on, any time you hit a bird, it was called a junior mint. <laughs> All right. So we flipped the bird and got a junior mint. Okay. A candy tonight. Marie had his dad on his back while playing Molly, started his own zine, the junior news. Steve, 
He was a man of wealth and taste with the longest drive and an ace. And (laughs) Nate hit a bird and it went in coining Junior Mint. Alan, how would you like to score? I don't know. That's uh, that's that's a lot. Lay on guy. Um, uh, you know, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna give Steve three points. Uh, I love uh, I love the the idea of, uh, of of an ace from from a moving helicopter. That seems like something uh, that would be uh, really impressive to see. Uh, and. Uh, Man, Nate, you were really close, but uh, like, I'm I'm gonna be real. Like, you lost me at Junior Mint. Like, if you had, <laughs> if you had just told the story of the bird and dropping it in uh, the catcher's mitt without a catcher, your your knowledge of disc golf terminology was just spot on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna give uh, uh, I'm gonna give you two. Uh, I'm gonna give Molly and uh, Marie two as well because actually yes. I thought there were uh, there were a lot of solid answers this time around. Nice. A lot of good answers. And the answer, what did David Wiggins Jr. do to make the news? Well, Steve was partially correct. Whoa, okay. <laughs> he what? set the world record by throwing his 154 gram in of a boss, 1,108. 0.92 feet. That is a solid 338 meters. <laughs> yeah. So that's a quarter pound of plastic, <laughs> a quarter of a mile. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. You guys are players, right? What's that? Four, four throws for you, five throws for you. That's, that's about where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. That's, well, it depends if it's a hundred foot shot. That's one throw with an unfortunate roller. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so site too. creator Sen Duong was famously inspired to start Rotten Tomatoes in 1998 after doing what? So what? inspired site creator Sen Duong to start Rotten Tomatoes. Molly, what do you ah. have? Ah. Um, hmm. He, uh, he was making some pasta sauce and <laughs> uh, unfortunately used Rotten Tomatoes and he was supposed to watch a really good movie that night, but he got sick and ended up throwing up all night long. I mean, front and back uh, <laughs> really bad night and so he was like you know what like i want to watch that movie and this is where i am there's some correlation and brilliance came from that brilliance came from that steve what do you have well sen duong was uh, one day riding through town on his moped and uh he was <laughs> assaulted by a small gang of children wielding tomatoes and uh, you'd think he would have maybe been traumatized by this experience but he actually had a great time and he, that was actually the best moment of his entire life. He could never kind of beat that peak. And so he started this website so that the entire world could kind of experience what that felt like. So he made Rotten Tomatoes. All right. Getting pummeled by children. Nate, what do you have? So uh, he, he was looking for something to do. He went down to his local video store uh, and picked up uh, fried green tomatoes. Looked good. Cover looked great. You know, read the back. Sounded good. He took it home, he put it in, 
and it was a uh, uh, a Teletubby movie. And it just, <laughs> it, but he thought he's like this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna see how it goes. Right and it was just awful. It was just it was Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, he had to spread the word. Um, he still hates fried green tomatoes to this day. All right, Deli Tubby Green Tomatoes. Marie, what's your answer? <laughs> um, well, he had experienced two life-changing events that led him to the, the creation of this site. First, he went to the Globe Theater, and he got to see an actual Shakespearean show the way that it had been previously done in Shakespeare's times. And... Uh, the audience members, specifically the groundlings, would have food that they would throw at the people on the stage. And when he went, he realized that they threw it when it was good, and he they also threw it when it was bad. And they, no matter what was happening, people were throwing tomatoes. Then he came back here to the States, and he watched the entirety of the John Hughes filmography thus far. <laughs> And he really needed the world to know how he felt about those. And so he took these two experiences, his relationship with 16 Candles, all of those beautiful 80s films, and his experience with the Groundlings. And he decided, I have to rate these movies based on tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> that made perfect sense. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So what inspired him to make Rotten Tomatoes? We have Molly... A pasta sauce incident got wrong, and he had the rotten toms and runs. Steve, he was assaulted by tomato-wielding children, or as we like to call it, Steve's future. Nate <laughs> had fried green tomato teletubbies, and Marie saw Shakespeare's groundlings toss food at people on stage and finished off with Pretty in Pink. So, Alan, what uh, is your scores? How would you like to score? Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Um, uh, <laughs> I got to really? say the the combination, <laughs> the combination of just I mean just massive energy plus a clear affection for the works of John Hughes. I think Marie's <laughs> going to get three points. Nice. All right. The uh, Breakfast Club was life changing. <laughs> uh, Steve, for uh, apparently street urchins are still a thing in the late nineties. Like that was. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't anticipating that. Were they all wearing like newsboy caps? They were. Yeah. Uh, and, and whatnot. Uh, two for Steve, uh, Molly uh, for uh, uh, one point for both ends. Uh, and uh, and I hate to do it, Nate, but. Uh, Kathy Bates is an American treasure and any fried green tomatoes slander uh, is going to be punished. So uh, that's going to be my first zero. I apologize. No, it's okay. I have to agree with you. It's not (laughs) my fault that the wrong movie was in the case, though. You're not wrong about that. You yes, could have gone but, negative, so he locked yeah. out on that no, one. No, 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 so. no, I, true, I'm, not, I'm not fighting it at all. <laughs> what inspired him to create Rotten Tomatoes? It was Jackie Chan. He was looking for a review on Rumble in the Bronx and the Majestic Mountains of Manhattan, and uh, he couldn't find it. He had to go to hundreds of different sites just to get a review. So he's like, I need to put all these together in one spot. And Rotten Tomatoes was born. Jackie Chan, John Hughes. Same, 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 same. (laughs) Excellent, excellent questions. Uh, Speaking of questions, I think (laughs) I would like to. (laughs) Yes, I'm patting myself on the back. Excellent questions tonight, Bob. (laughs) 
thank you, Steve. I'm, or should I call you Randy? <laughs> Now I did call Steve Randy earlier, and the reason is because they are so similar. Sometimes I get them confused, and why would be head-to-head competitive trivia? Steve's Balderdash Academy Quiz Show podcast. You can find it. All episodes are now released. You can find it in our podcast feed. Speaking of non sequiturs, <laughs> back to give me the details. Our opening answer: the Big Apple was known by many different names, but unfortunately, one of you got it right and changed your answer. Oh, so the Big Apple was once called New Orange. <laughs> <laughs> The Dutch captured New York from the English in 1673 and renamed the city New Orange in honor of William III of Orange. The change was short-lived. In 1674, the city reverted back to English control and its former name. Hmm. So, Steve, almost well done. Wow. <laughs> cool. I mean, oversized tangerine is not that far off. It's not that far <laughs> off. So, Alan... I wanted to take a moment and talk about the Improv Me Festival. Both uh, Steve, Marie, and myself were lucky enough to attend in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were there a couple times, I think once or twice before then. And uh, we had a blast. Now, I thought as an observer and participant how it, it really demonstrated the brilliance of what improv is. Where as long as you know, yes and... Make your scene partner look good. Listen and love always wins. You can perform anywhere with anybody. And that show, that festival proved it. So what was the brainchild behind it? Um, So uh, our first, the first improv me was back in um, God, get the, get the dates right. 2014, I believe. Um, and, uh, we had been, uh, the focus group had been doing, uh, had been doing, we'd been together for about five years at that point. And we had done, uh, a couple of stints, uh, at the, uh, uh, the now departed, uh, Portland improv festival, um, uh, in Portland, uh, we had, uh, uh, we'd done two years there and it was such a wonderful time. And we had never, we had never engaged with other improv groups before. Uh, so uh, it was such this, it was this wonderful experience where it was like, oh, we get a chance to interact with all these other people who love doing the same goofy crap that we do. You yeah. know what I mean? And just, and we had sort of been operating in a bit of a vacuum uh, because there were no other groups in our town, uh, no, other, no other groups in our region. And so, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, you feel good after a show and whatever, but there's always this part of you that's like, are we actually good at this? <laughs> you, just, right? you, you just don't yeah. know. You don't have any context. It's and true, so, yeah. so it was a wonderful opportunity to go and sort of, uh, and sort of uh, play with other people. And it was, it was so much fun. And we had such a wonderful time. And then, unfortunately, that event uh, went defunct. And so we thought, well, Jesus, why don't, why don't we do this like why don't we give it a shot uh and then uh, from there it just sort of snowballed um we uh 
the first the first couple of years we we spread uh, we cast a wide net. Uh, so we reached out to groups uh, all over um, all over New England. Uh, and that was great. And we got, uh, you know, groups from Rhode Island, uh, the Improv Boston Touring Company came a couple of years, like it was really great. Um, but as it progressed, uh, it felt, I wanted to do something that was more celebratory of improv in Maine specifically, because it is yeah. such a vibrant scene. And to people like on the outside looking in, you might not know that, uh, yeah. but there are just, there's just so much talent uh in improv wise in this state and so uh and so we sort of shifted our focus in in the, the subsequent years and really wanted to aim at uh you know bringing groups together uh f- that perform primarily within the state of Maine like and I know yeah. uh, there are a couple that have like that draw members membership from from like New Hampshire uh and, and Massachusetts but they're Maine based groups and uh yep. and I think that's important and I think it's a wonderful way to help sort of uh celebrate and you know sort of grow the scene because it gives people an opportunity to see uh to see what everybody else is doing uh mm-hmm. you know and sort of establish those lines of communication like that's why I know uh, the, the vast majority of improvisers I know, like that's why I know them is through that festival. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it really was, uh, you know, and it's a labor of love. Like, you don't you don't make a lot of money and you know, it's uh, you know, you, there, you get some sleepless nights out of it and, and all that, yeah. but you know, you're up there and it's like, you're halfway through, you know, the, the, the first night set uh, and someone is just tearing the roof off the place. And you're just like, there, there's a hundred people in the room and you're just like, you know what? worth every second. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that you touched upon and for people who might not be within northern New England in particular. Now, I've in the 30 some odd years I've been doing improv. I've done it in Massachusetts, Boston specifically, done it in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Manhattan, Maine, of every place that I've done uh, improv, Maine is unique in and of the fact that it is a state comprised of fans of other groups. Yeah. You know, like uh, every improv group I've been a part of or played with has the people they follow, the other groups that they appreciate and they just love to be with. And it's that real special connection that you have of appreciation that I think sets the state apart in the region in general as this unique experience. So what I'm saying is if, if you're into improv, come to Maine. <laughs> There's an improvisational renaissance happening in the state. And the more people who come and the more people who understand love wins and be positive and appreciate each other and make each other look good we need you because that is the reality that we perform in. We're all winners. And speaking of winners and points, our (laughs) points are this after the segue we have in last place, Nate (laughs) with seven points. Shocking. Next, we have Molly with nine, Steve with 10, and in the lead, Marie with 11 points. What? Is going what? On? <laughs> <laughs> Marie on the bottom tonight. I know. It's, it's, 
There's a different timeline happening. All right, join us when we return from Molly's Pop Quiz and Technically Correct only on Balderdash Academy. Hey, this is Bob. When I'm not being the headmaster at Balderdash Academy, I run Sleuth's Mystery Entertainment. At Sleuth's Mystery, we offer something different from your typical mystery experience. Our mysteries are crafted around the game and the experience as a whole. We blend characters, comedy, atmosphere, and a puzzle of a mystery for you to solve. Every show is unique, and every ending is different. At Sleuth's Mystery Entertainment, you can see the show, play the game, and solve the mystery. If you're in New England, contact us at sleuthsmystery.com for a killer time. Meet the characters of Balderdash County in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge. You've heard the game show? Now you can go behind the scenes as you meet the students and faculty of our fine school. Unlock the mysteries of the centuries-old buildings, or even go outside the school grounds to meet the denizens of the village of Balderdash. Character, comedy, and mystery abound in Balderdash Academy Teacher's Lounge. Every other Wednesday on your favorite podcast service. Balderdash Academy. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy and our visiting professor, Alan Adams. Stay tuned because we're about to hear a quiz from Molly and play fan favorite technically correct. But before we do that, our points are in last place. We have Nate with seven points. Next, we have Molly with nine, Steve with 10 and in the lead, Marie with 11 points. Who the fuck? We should bring Alan back every week. This is great. <laughs> yeah, great. So, Alan, yeah. before we move on to Molly's game, we're back to our final question from the Balderdash randomizer. The spin will generate a random question that Alan will try to answer in 30 seconds or less. And the final question is... In their prime, who would win in a fight? Alex Trebek or Pat Sajak? Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, I mean, I could, I could go through a bunch of like tail of the tape business and, you know, blah, de, blah, de, blah, and stretch this out. But we all know the answer is Alex Trebek, right? <laughs> like that's yeah, obviously like, that's, that's yeah. a dude who grew up on like the, the windswept plains of, of Canada. Like that dude has been on a hockey rink. Like he's been on skates. He has checked people into the boards. Like you look at Pat Sajak. Who has he checked anybody into? He has checked nobody into nothing. Like that's what Get I'm more saying. passionate, Alan. Get and it. All he can do is nothing. check a vowel. I feel very strongly about this. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Trebek rules. Sajak rules. How about that? Oh, oh, God. Oh, Our intern chimed in second. with his mustache alone could have taken Pat Sajak. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> all right. Facts. Um, so Alex Trebek played parodied brilliantly by Eugene Levy in Second City. Um, tell us about your time on Jeopardy. 
Uh, yeah, so uh, I was uh, I was a contestant uh, on Jeopardy. Um, uh, it was a phenomenal experience. Like I grew up watching the show um, from the age of eight. Basically, it was one of my like life goals was to find my way onto Jeopardy, and I had some close calls as I grew up. Like uh, like one of my roommates, junior year of college, uh, got picked for the college championship. Uh, instead of me and so there was that sort of yeah. like yeah. Uh, resentment and whatever uh you know like when the uh when the the sort of the clue bus would roll through town like i'd stand in line and i'd do the little quiz and i'd do all that stuff uh because i just i just desperately wanted to be a part of it because i firmly believed this if i could just get in the room mm. i would get on the show like that yeah. was that was yeah. my belief. I was like, if I can get if I can get in front of people who can who have the power to put me on the show, I will be on the show. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, every time the 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 online quiz once the online quiz became uh, part of the the you know part of the calculus, like it really became like something that I was like, oh, this could potentially happen. Uh, because so I would sit and I would do the the quiz every time it was available. I think it was at the time it was twice a year. Uh, they would make it available. And like every time I'd go through and I'd be like, oh, I did pretty well. Like I, you know, I'd feel like I, uh, like I landed somewhere that's 50 questions. I, I always felt like I had a solid 40 and then maybe, you know, a handful more. So like in that range. So I always felt pretty confident about my performance there, but you know, you just never know because, yeah. you know, the, they, they basically get, you know, they have a certain score cutoff on that quiz uh, and then all those people just go into a pool and then they just randomly select until, uh, you know, they fill the audition slots. Uh, and uh, so I was lucky enough. Uh, this was in uh, April of 2018. Uh, I got the, I got an email saying uh, you've been selected for an in-person audition. Uh, and so I went to New York City uh, in April to uh, to audition. Uh, you know, you're in a hotel ballroom. Uh, yeah. It's a number of producers from the show, contestant coordinators, the whole shebang. Uh, and then you go in, you sit down, they immediately give you another test. Um, <laughs> because, uh, and my understanding is they do the test, they do the test in the room because they want to make sure you didn't cheat. They want to uh, make sure yeah. that you have the knowledge base that your performance indicated. Yeah, uh, now I heard uh, there were rumblings in the room from some of the other uh, potential contestants talking about uh, you know, if you score below a certain threshold on this on this test, they'll take you out right now. I don't they'll know if that's true. They will kill you. They were <laughs> taking you out in the back alley. I mean, it is um, New Orange yeah. City, so yeah. <laughs> it's a big tangerine, uh, folks. So you do that. Uh, you do your test. They grade them in the moment. So you do the test. They take them out, and you're just in there with the other, you know, 49 people who are auditioning for the show. Sweating like the SATs. Uh, yep, just everyone's talking about, oh, did you get this one? Oh, did you get this one? Like, oh, this one was definitely this. And this one was definitely that. Um, Fights broke out. Yeah, like fists throwing. Yeah, fisticuffs. You, know, yeah. you know, and it's the kind of crowd that gets pretty rough. If you know Oh, it I mean. sounds like it. Um, uh, and then uh, they come back in and they run you through some mock rounds of the game. So they call you up three at a time and they have like a little buzzer set up and like a projection screen with all the clues and stuff. And they have you play through uh, a couple of times. Uh, then they do your the, the thing where they ask you about your little anecdote. Uh, and then, right. uh, you know, take your picture. And then they're like, all right, uh, this was great. 
uh, you know, if we if we want you, you'll hear from us sometime in the next eighteen months. Okay, because that's the deal. Like, they don't tell you how wow. you did. Uh, they don't they don't tell you anything about how any uh, like how you performed or how anyone else performed. And you just go home and you wait and you hope. Uh, Are people you in the room with me out? were talking about like this is it's like oh this is my fourth audition this is my fifth oh. audition this is my sixth audition wow. like you know so it's one of those things where it's like oh okay so this is uh you know this is tough uh but i mean they apparently liked the energy that i brought because yeah. um in mid-july uh i got the call from uh, karina who was the contestant coordinator at the time and she's like uh, do you do you want to be on jeopardy and I said, well, of course I do. Yeah, like, I, I do. It's my dream. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so I had a, uh, my tape date was in August, uh, late August. And so uh, my wife and I flew out to, uh, to LA. Nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, we, we go to the, the special Jeopardy hotel, which is, there's, there's two of them. Uh, and where they, uh, they basically, so they only have two stops to make for the shuttle when they take you to the studio. Right. Uh, they take you to the studio with your changes of clothes. Like you have, like you're supposed to bring like enough stuff for like five different outfits. Yep. Um, you can't clash yeah. with the other contestants or right. you know, so, Well, like, and I had like, you know, I had a coat and I had a coat, a couple of button up shirts, a tie, mm-hmm. I had a cardigan, like just, you know, so I could mix up the, the looks or whatever. Uh, yeah. And then you go and you sit in the green room and you spend a lot of time doing paperwork. A lot of time talking about the uh, still on the books uh, laws regarding quiz shows uh, oh. from the scandals back in the 50s. Like all that stuff is still oh, treated yeah. very seriously. Crazy. Yeah, like it's still very uh, it's still very much in the forefront of their of their stuff. And this was It'll take you out. This was relatively <laughs> soon uh, after the Sony hat. And so there was some right. of that stuff as well. Um, yeah. And then you go, you, you go in the studio, it's both bigger and smaller than you think it is. Of course. Uh, I don't know how to exactly explain that, mm-hmm. but it's uh, like a TARDIS. Yes. It's, it's bigger <laughs> on the inside. Uh, Doctor who? you know, you hit, uh, you, you know, you play some practice rounds, uh, on the, you know, actually on the set. Um, the one thing that I saw that, uh, that was, I, I found it weirdly fascinating. Uh, they have these little hydraulic lifts behind each of the podiums. Uh, to, to level everyone so the nice. cameras don't have so they don't have to go up and down when they're panning from contestant to contestant. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I need like six feet. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, so mine was not up at all, but I was up against two uh two shorter uh two shorter women, so their boxes were both elevated. Um yeah, and then you go sit in the audience uh, and you wait, uh, and they'll come up to you when it's your time and they'll be like, Okay, so uh, you're gonna be in you're gonna be on the next episode. So uh uh, take one of these cards. There's a one and a two, uh, and that determines which podium you get. Oh, um, so I got a two, and I was in the middle podium. You happy about that? It was fine. Okay, you know, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, it's like you get up there, you go. The studio audience is happening, and then the the music starts, and you're like, Jesus, is this real? And then Alex <laughs> appeared, like, like as like as if from nowhere. Was that the first time you saw him? him? Yeah, had yeah, not we- encountered him at all up until that wow. point. Uh, and he just appears like in a puff of smoke. And yeah. then like, oh, that's, there he is. And you go and like, he comes in, he does his little, his uh, like, 10 second spiel and you go. Like, it's like, it's, nice. you hit the ground running. Uh, so yeah, literally the only time you encounter him directly is uh, when you do your, your sort of uh, personal story. Yeah. And when, uh, when they do the promotional shot. Um, Freaking enigma. Enigma. Yeah. And then, uh, 
yeah and it was uh great uh, a lot of it is still very blurry in my head like i kind of fugued out a little bit yeah. um i uh yeah. like i mean spoiler alert i did not win um <gasps> damn I, uh, close I, I but it was one of those things where uh, I felt very good about the way I had played. I felt like I had performed very well eh, up until, good, good, good. Uh, and then, you know, when Final Jeopardy rolled up, I just didn't know it. Like, and, you know, honestly, like if I'm going to lose, that's kind of the best case scenario. Like I don't want to yeah. be up there. And then like, you know, 30 seconds after the buzzer sounds being like, Oh, F I did know that right. uh, I could have stood there for six months and I would not have pulled the answer. Yeah. And so, you know, it's yeah. hard to be like, that's just, that's just how the, the cookie crumbles, you know, mm-hmm. but um, honestly, like just a, an absolutely uh, wonderful experience. Like I just, I had such a marvelous time and uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to talk about it because I will literally <laughs> talk about it to yes. anyone whenever they want to yes. talk about it. Yes. Because it was, because it was so, so it awesome. was just, it was just so much fun. Like, yeah. It was so much fun and it did not disappoint despite the fact that I had been wanting to do it for over 30 years. And that says something. Now, can Goals. you do it again? Did that, Goals. did that satiate your appetite? Like, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, um, uh, Jeopardy contestants are somewhat in demand for other televised game shows, oh. uh, which is something I didn't know until I was an alumni, As uh, seen but, on Jeopardy. Yeah, but they do, they do reach out like, um, wow. you know, uh, uh, for just as a, for instance, like I actually, uh, in the immediate, uh, immediately before, you know, everything fell apart. Like I had a, I had scheduled a, an audition for another televised game show and I was going to nice. do that. Who wants uh, to be a millionaire? Uh, it was actually, uh, it was actually the chase. The remake Ooh. of the chase was the Don't one. Don't know that. So you're chase. I would crush that one. Like, I mean, I, like, <laughs> you know, I, I saw memoirs of invisible man, you know, like I, I, I know my Chevy chase, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. Uh, one I can't recommend highly enough for anyone who has uh, trivia leanings. And mm. the reality is, like, like I said, like all you got to do is get in the room. Like, if you have yeah. a positive energy uh, and uh, look and just come off as someone who won't be brutal to watch on television, mm-hmm. they're gonna they're gonna do their best to put you up there. Because mm. uh, I don't mean to be. Let's just say that there were some folks who were maybe a little less comfortable in front of the camera sure, uh, of in course, the room than, than I was because I mean just because of my background like I'm like yeah. I'm comfortable in front of people and not everyone mm-hmm. is lucky enough to have that. Yeah. And speaking of comfortable in front of the camera, it's now time for our monthly pop quiz with the grand champion herself, professor of English language arts, Molly McGill. Are these pants? Making me look sexy Cause I feel, feel like I got it going on Hey, hey, everybody wanna do this Everybody's coming sick What do you got for us, bro? Alright, folks Welcome back to Word of the Show. Okay, have you been setting up on your vocab? I sure hope you have. Alan, this is for you. I picked this especially for you and your prowess in your field. Faculty, today's word of the game is synecdoche. 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 It is a noun. Yes, it is. 
Let it marinate. <laughs> Nate, go ahead. Nate, you, what? You, yeah, go ahead, Nate. Synecdoche. Oh, uh, Could you okay. go ahead and it's, give me the definition that you've been studying? Yeah, absolutely. It didn't mar- didn't even need to marinate for that long. No. It's, it was pretty well tenderized. Uh, so, skedectogy <laughs> is... <laughs> Uh, well, number one, it's a town in New York, I think, which I can't pronounce either. Um, but uh, it's actually um, chicken necks that are pulverized. <laughs> a, you put it in a Ziploc bag, marinate it, and um, and it's a housewarming gift that you traditionally give to, to neighbors. Lovely, lovely. Okay, so chicken she necks for neighbors. Steve, what you got for me? Synecdoche. I believe synecdoche. I remember synecdoche, synecdoche being the <laughs> being the sensation uh, you feel when you enter a room and and you cannot remember why you've entered that room. Uh, so you leave that room and you go back to the previous room you're in. You pace around for about eight minutes, being like, "Why the hell did I go in that room?" You remember, Ooh. so you go back to that room. You've forgotten again, so you just end up folding laundry. Synecdoche. <laughs> synecdoche. The sensation of a forgetful room, rinse and repeat. Okay, Marie, what do you got yes. for me? Synecdoche. Um, synecdoche is an old, old timey word back from when people were traversing on boats as their main mode of transportation from continent to continent. Uh, and when one was coming off of the boat, had arrived on land, um, and they would have this neck twitch. These people with the neck twitch are people who got seasick on the boat the whole way. And so these are the people you can know when they were motion sickness for the entire trip because there'd just be this little this little tick in their neck and they were experiencing synecdoche. Synecdoche. <laughs> A tick, tick in the neck from a yeah. boat ride. Synecdoche. Okay. Hey, Bob, Bob, what do you got? You're, you're a smart man. What do you got? Synecdoche. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I, I know the etymology of the word synecdoche. And... Um, it's the modern pronunciation belies the original meaning. Uh, originally, it was pronounced synodoc, and what it referred to as when two douchebags sink together to hit on a woman in 17th century Paris. <laughs> right? So Ew. you had these kind of foppish, you know, now we'd call them dude bros, but back then they were doshes. Yeah, mm. dosh bag. So, uh, <laughs> dosh bag. Uh, sign and dosh is uh, where it came from. Yeah, so it's a pair of douchebags. Okay, so a couple of, <laughs> couple of douches in Paris. That's right. right. Okay, Alan. Whew. I don't think they've been studying so much here, but uh, <gasps> let's review. Let's review for points here. Uh, we got Nate with uh, chicken necks for your neighbor. We have uh, Steve, excuse me, Steve, with the sensation of a forgetful room, rinse and repeat because you're doing laundry. We have uh, Marie with uh, a, no, a neck twitch on a boat. And we have Bob with a couple of douches in Paris. Synecdoche. How would you like to score this before we reveal? Kanye West song, I think. A couple of douches in Paris. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, like, isn't like isn't Matt Damon making that movie with Adam Driver right now, Bob? Yes, I believe it's up on your queue to review on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Musical uh, coming soon. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give three to Bob for the uh, the, yeah. the gathering of the douches. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I enjoyed that very much. 
Uh, I'm also going to give three to Steve uh, because, uh, you know, man, I never knew what that feeling was. But as I get older, uh, I'm really uh, sort of uh, I'm confronted with that reality more and more every day. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, it's sometimes you just uh, sometimes you just give up and fold laundry. So I'm I'm as we tend to do. uh, for uh, Nate and Marie, uh, Chicken Necks and Net Twitch, uh, <laughs> uh, two points apiece. Huh. Uh, and uh, and uh, three for you, Molly, for being such a wonderful host. Yes. Woo! Thank wow. you, sir. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. Two awards points to the... Oh, I love that. I love it. I love That's it. Important. All right. Can I give a point to Alan for that? Yeah. Yeah, you give a point to Alan. Sweet. How many points do you want to give, Marie? I want to give him three. Yeah. Three points to Alan. Wow. Yes. Yep. All right. You should give him four so he's beating Bob. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll give him another four from Steve, bringing him up to no! seven. He's going to beat me. It's going to be everyone. Doesn't everybody want to know the yeah. answer to this, yes. folks? Thanks very much. Key. Now, listen, faculty, I love you. I love you so much. But come on, when I give you your vocab quizzes, I would like for you to at least review it. is a figure of speech by which a part is put for the whole such as 50 sail for 50 ships or the whole is a is a a part like a society for high society or the species for a genius such as like a cutthroat for assassin or the genius of the species such as creature for a man or the name of the material for the thing made, such as boards for a stage. It's pieces of a whole or the whole so of pieces. Is old figure of speech. And I thought that that like would be that like would be appropriate for our visiting professor, the editor of Main Edge. So it's not a town well in done. New York. No, that's Schenectady. <laughs> they sound the same. I know. So it's yeah. Don't put don't put Schenectady in your GPS. You will not go anywhere. <laughs> no, it's it's a word that means every town in America. Now, our next game is fan favorite. Technically correct. I will read a description of a movie that is technically correct, and our faculty members will come up with an answer as fast as possible. They'll present it one by one, and our visiting professor will award points to the answer that he likes best. Movie number one. An obsessed man hunts an orphan in the eye of the storm. What? An obsessed man hunts an orphan in the eye of the storm. Steve, what do you got? Oh, I'm going to say uh, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. That's nice. I like Series that. of Unfortunate Events. Nate, what do you have? The Terminator. Terminator Marie. Ooh, uh, Andre the Seal, because he didn't have a family. Andre the Seal and Molly. You'd think I would study up on this uh, before each show, but I actually don't. Um, Oliver. <laughs> Oliver. He's an so we have orphan in that. An <laughs> obsessed not- man hunts an orphan in the eye of the storm. We have Steve with a series of unfortunate events, Nate with the Terminator, Marie with Andre the Seal, and Molly with Oliver. Alan, how would you like to score? Um I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna give I'm gonna give two to Molly. Yes. And everybody else gets one. Yes! Oliver, two to Molly, Oliver. and everyone else gets one. So the answer. You, oh, oh, thank you. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh, Bob's going to win. 
And let's, uh, let's, give one Alan as well. let's give Alan a point. Alan well done. <laughs> All right. So an obsessed man hunts an orphan in the eye of the storm describes Kong Skull Island. Oh, Don't it know sure it. does. Not Godzilla. <laughs> Don't know it. Speaking of King Kong, a madman tries to protect precious bodily fluids while King Kong goes for a ride. Are you kidding me? <laughs> a madman tries to protect precious bodily fluids while King Kong goes for a ride. Nate, what do you have? Outbreak. Outbreak? <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. Marie, what's your answer? Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Molly. Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Fast and the Furious. And uh, Steve, what do you have? I think this is Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. All right. So a madman tries to protect precious bodily fluids while King Kong goes for a ride. We have Nate with Outbreak, Marie with Planet of the Apes, Molly with Fast and the Furious, and Steve with Phantom of the Opera. Alan, how would you like to score? Uh, first of all, thank you for this, Bob. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to do uh, uh, two each for Steve and Nate, one each for Molly and Marie. Thank you. All right. So we have a uh, madman tries to protect precious bodily fluids while King Kong goes for a ride. Molly was correct with Fast and the Furious. Took no, I'm just kidding. It's- <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. That's not true. It's not even close. A madman tries to protect precious bodily fluids while King Kong goes for the ride. Describes what movie, Alan? Uh, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. That is correct. That is my that is my favorite film. And I really appreciate Bob uh, going to the trouble to making it so difficult to discern. <laughs> but that, that does accurately describe the plot. It sure does. It sure does. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up like that. I was so excited for a moment. Speaking of Steve and Phantoms, movie number three, a cuckolded hero hunts a phantom. Oh, Lord. A cuckolded hero hunts a phantom. Marie, what do you have? I'm going to go with Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. Molly. Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh, no! Steve, what do you have? (laughs) I I don't know if Obi-Wan Kenobi counts as cuckolded, but I'm going to say Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. All right. Mm -hmm. Episode 1 and Nate. Uh, I am going to go Bridget Jones's Diary Part 2. <laughs> oh. Electric Ooh. <laughs> All right, so we have a cuckolded hero hunts a phantom. We have Marie with Phantom of the Opera, Molly with Casper, the friendly ghost, Steve with Star Wars Episode 1, the Phantom Menace, and Nate with Bridget Jones's Diary 2. <laughs> Alan, how would you like to score? Uh, so, uh, 
First of all, uh, we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give two points to Molly for Casper the Friendly Ghost because that is a phenomenal answer. Yes, good answer. Uh, we're also going to give two points to Nate because Bridget Jones's Diary Two, <laughs> also an excellent answer. <laughs> uh, and Marie and Steve, your answers were slightly less excellent. Oh. So we're gonna give you one point. Can I have two backup right. answers before you give us the answer, Bob? I yeah, also go right ahead. Of Ghost and Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Whew. Well, you, you should have gone with neither of those because the answer to a cuckolded hero hunts a phantom accurately describes the pink panther. Okay. All right. Somebody's been listening to head to head. <laughs> um, the pink panther, of course, is the movie of a cuckolded um, uh, cat burglar who hunts the pink Phantom of India, Beyonce. known as the Pink Panther, spoiler, who dips his head. genitals into some whiskey. Spoiler, <laughs> check it out in episode 12 of Head to Head. <laughs> so uh, because I felt bad for you. Because junk dunk. How did we not think of that sooner? Oh, because no. I felt bad for all of you, here's movie number four. Okay. Cousins get catty during a family feud. Cousins get catty during a family feud. Molly, what do you got? Why? Why? <laughs> cousins get catty. Cousins, cats, cats with cousins, cousins that are cats. What kind of cats have cousins? I don't know. Are cousins cats? Cats have cousins. Is it? Mm, She's not oh, stalling. This is just very good. Oh this is just what was that? Molly Homeward bound? It's only all those animals. Homeward bound. All right. Steve, what do you got? Uh, uh, the truth about cats and dogs. <laughs> All right. Nate, what do you have? Uh, I'm going to say the Shawshank Redemption colon aristocrats. Aristocrats. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. what I thought about. We got our first <laughs> Shawshank of the season. Wow. <laughs> I, I tried to hold off, but I couldn't. <laughs> All right. Emery. The Nutty Professor. The professor. Nutty professor. There you go. Nutty professor. Is that like a junk dunk? Nutty Cousins get catty during a family feud. You have Molly with Homeward Bound, Steve with Truth About Cats and Dogs, Nate with Shawshank Aristocats, and Marie with a Nutty Professor. Alan, how would you like to score? Um. Okay, so there's no way she could have possibly known this, but... Uh, Molly, I have like deep love in my heart for that movie. Oh, it's such a good movie. Like real love for that. For it's that right movie. here. That's why it came out. You know, so it's like so. Uh, we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give Molly three points yes. for Homeward Bound. Thank you. Um, we are going to give uh, we're going to give Steve two points for the truth about cats and dogs because again, uh, I'm not gonna say it's Uma Thurman's finest work, mm. but she does <laughs> some pretty solid work there. Not uh, a feat. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have feet? I feet in that one for me. <laughs> or for Tarantino, I should say. Thanks, Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, Tarantino's The Truth About Cats and Dogs is a very different movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Truth About Cats and Reservoir Dogs. Uh, yes, and- <laughs> 
I uh, honestly, like, I'm legitimately touched uh, that uh, I get to be here for the first uh, Shawshank Redemption <laughs> of the season. So that's two for you, Nate. Oh, wow. And uh, and one for Marie. I'm sorry, Thank Marie. You. That's okay. I was trying to come up with anything with a favor. All right. Um, <laughs> I would like to apologize to the faculty in advance for this. Cousins get catty during a family feud describes Black Panther. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean it sums up the movie. It, it like, is. Uh, it's right. It's it's not wrong. So oh, good at these bombs. Oh. God, I feel bad for all of you. <laughs> yeah. That's how you feel after every one of these rounds. Alan, uh, thank you for being the visiting professor tonight on Balderdash Academy. Uh I know we are still in a pandemic, but what is new and exciting coming up this year for you? Um, well, uh, I don't know how much information I can share. Uh, but, Jeopardy 2. Oh, yeah, I wish. <laughs> Jeopardy 2. Uh, but um, there is a fairly prominent uh, narrative music podcast uh, mm. where I will be playing a very famous uh, assassin uh, from pop music history. Cool. Uh, like I just got the gig a couple days ago. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so that's going to be very cool. Um, uh, I've been doing some developmental readings uh, with the folks at Penobscot Theater Company, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, I went out and threw my uh, my best round ever at the uh, the uh, Orono DR disc golf course. Actually, this, uh, you know, this would have been uh, a little while ago, but yeah, it was good. Yeah. Steve uh, and I, we got to do a road trip. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I have a very well-appointed guest room. So, uh, but yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, I get to look, man, I get to watch movies and read books for my job. Like, I, <laughs> I get, like I'm the dream. the dream. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been very lucky in that I've gotten, uh, there's been a lot of really great stuff uh, to, you know, to hit uh, the, the movie theaters. Yes. But also streaming has really sort of stepped up their game uh, in, yeah. uh, in a number of, of ways, which is, which is very nice. Uh, some phenomenal books uh, have come uh, down the pike. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, I've, things are starting to pile up for me, you know, this time of the year. So it's, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm just, look, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to have the life that I do. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of really positive opportunities just Across the board, so well, you nice. Know, lucky no, to things are good. Have you, here. Yes, thank yeah, you. And we're very lucky to have you. Now, you can find Alan online. Uh, links to Alan, the Main Edge, the Focus Group, and the Improv Meet Festival are all in the description. And it's now time for today's moral. So, after after a great night had a lot of fun i got to call steve randy multiple times i got a date wrong in a question you know one thing to me is very very clear that it doesn't matter how many bones you try to throw the faculty making the last technically correct answer literally the exact description in the movie it doesn't matter how many puns you put into the joke what matters is that regardless how hard you try, they're not going to get the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) But they are all winners, and let's find out who our winner is this evening. 
In last place is myself with four points. Next, right. we have our visiting professor with eight. <laughs> well deserved points. We have Nate with 16. Ooh. Marie with 17. Oh, no. And now 17. here we go. Is it our former reigning champion or Coach Steve? I've never won an episode, Corning. <laughs> I've won two. You've won two. You've won two. Thank but you. That, that didn't work for the joke, so I ran with it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, it's not Steve again. Steve has 19 points, oh. winning by one point. One point. We have Molly. With 20 points. How does this happen? <laughs> How does this happen? I don't get Hi, it. Mom. <laughs> it's his back. I had to jump up and get it. <laughs> oh. I was hoping to get nice my one job, win out of the way, so I had to worry about it the rest of the season. Oh, you'll win again. Oh, You're going to be the grand champion eventually. I'm oh. so psyched. So- yes. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. How does it come down to every show technically correct? I don't know. Molly sits there and talks about cats for eight minutes. Let's <laughs> 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 figure it out. So we'll speaking of figuring it out, thank you for joining us at Balderdash Academy. I've been your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining me has been our faculty coach of the Balderdash Academy Dasher, Steve Corning. We'll get him next time. Professor of Steam, Nate Green. I am happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Professor of Home Ec and Wellness, Marie Stewart Harmon. I actually am really happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) And tonight's reigning champion, Professor of English Language Arts, Molly McGill. Okay, so there's yes. cats and it's cousins, and then they have bubbly foods, and they're driving, but there's tomatoes, and, but they're green tomatoes, but they're rotten tomatoes. How many tomatoes do they have? I don't know. Are you on Jeopardy? Hit the buzzer! Hit the buzzer! Alan, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Um, you are welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you anytime. so much. Absolutely. Just, thank it's you, been Alan. an absolute treat, for sure. Again, you can find all of Alan's information in the description of both this video and the podcast. Show your school pride with some Balderdash Academy merchandise from our store. Specifically, check out our Balderdash Bill collection and our We Do Not Make Any Profit. It comes to you at cost. Everyday pride. Yes, and improv collection. So... We're also booking live shows when we can. Pandemic right now, it's a little difficult, but you can find all the information online at balderdashacademy.com. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. Go Dashers! This is your headmaster reminding you that we are now booking live Balderdash Academy. If you want improv comedy, custom game show experiences, team building, and more, you can find us online at balderdashacademy.com. And don't forget to pick up Balderdash Academy merchandise in our school store while you're there. Balderdash Academy.
Balderdash Academy was produced and edited by Bob LeBlanc. Theme music by Thinkfish Tank. Performed and written by Steve Corning, Carla Rose Dubois, Nate Green, Randy Hunt, Bob LeBlanc, Molly McGill, and Marie Stewart Harmon. Copyright 2021 by Robert J. LeBlanc and Steve Corning. All rights reserved. Go Dashers!